Hello and welcome to Nobody's Perfect, where we acknowledge not all of our thoughts and strategies are flawless by any means, so we look for ways to improve upon any mistakes that we might make. For localjobnetwork.com radio, I'm your host, Tim Muma. Motivation and engagement are often used terms related to production in the workplace. Now, while there may be some that say an employee should be motivating him or herself, there may be ways employers and managers are killing their employees' motivation, often without even knowing it. Chris Middlestad is joining us from California today. Now, Chris is the founder and CEO of The Fruit Guys, which provides farm-fresh produce to workplaces, homes, and schools nationwide, uh, perhaps helping to motivate some of those employees as well. Chris, thanks for coming on today. Hey, thanks for having me, Tim. You know, first of all, you know, as the CEO of The Fruit Guys, I guess, how do you define motivation in terms of maybe what you do or what managers are doing to motivate your employees? Yeah, motivation is... is is very important, I think, in any growing organization. And one of the things I think is most important to the definition of motivation is sincerity. Hmm. I've been an employee in situations where somebody's trying to motivate you and you, you feel it's not sincere and you feel they're not invested in the result of what that motivation is going to produce. And that can feel really demotivating. So from my perspective, I really think that managers and leaders have to think about how they're motivating people and how they're doing it in a sincere way that reflects a shared outcome amongst the people in the group. And um, a lot of times that, that comes from increased communication. Uh, it comes from a place of explaining the big picture. And I think it comes from a place of thinking about the needs and the uh, long-term development of the people that you're actually working with. We'll definitely touch on some of those aspects a little bit later as well. Uh, you know, as I mentioned in the intro, some people say, well, if you're not motivating yourself, maybe you're not in the right position, not right job. I guess for yourself, what extent, a percentage or something, would you say an employee's motivation maybe is a little dependent on their supervisors in some way? I think it, I think it is dependent on the supervisory role, and and it, and I don't want to stratify it in a hierarchical structure. I I think it's very, it, again, it's kind of like the shared goal setting, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, if the organization has mission behind it and feels like there's something that they're accomplishing together, then I feel that that gives meaning to people, which creates motivation. It's sort of like if you think of that pyramid of Maslow's hierarchy of needs at the top of that pyramid is this idea that people are striving in their lives for self-actualization or meaning in their lives. And I'm a big believer that finding ways to create opportunities for people to gain meaning through their work, which is where you're spending the majority of your waking hours as an adult, that that becomes in itself a motivating factor. So how can you develop those kinds of things around job. And, and I'm not making suggestions that it has to be you know, cultish in any way, mm -hmm. but just that the work itself has meaning relative to that person. And I think that if you can create those opportunities where there is meaning, then you're going you're gonna to motivate people. So I actually see that as a fairly large percentage of, okay. of motivation. Yes, do people need to come to work and do they have to have self-motivation to, you know, get to the job on time, to do their work competently, to be, you know, smart and attentive to uh, what they're doing, to be interested in learning new skills? Absolutely. And if they don't come to the table with those things already, then it's going to be difficult to motivate people. So what we look for at Fruit Guys is we want people that are sort of on a quest and they're on a quest to better themselves 
and they're on a quest to learn something new and contribute to the world. And if we find people that have those values, then we find that motivation is no longer the issue because these people are self-motivated and they want to participate in a group that is also motivated to a larger goal. Yeah, clearly there's a, a give and take there on both sides. Uh, but obviously there's some value in in motivating you know the people you're working with in some way. So on, on the other side of the coin, in terms of ways possibly, you know, again, we talk about a manager could be killing in a way or diminishing an employee's motivation. And, and we'll get into some details, but are there any certain guidelines or rules in general that you follow or sort of adhere to just as a, a basic rule of thumb to avoid, you know, limiting that motivation? Yeah, I think you have to, uh, one, like the one we just talked about, I think you have to be able to realize that motivation does come from this idea of uh, thinking about the individual person's goals and dreams and job satisfaction. Mm -hmm. And you don't want to be blind to that. You don't want to limit that. You want to be aware of who this person is, not just in their job, but in their life to some degree so that you can understand what really motivates them and what gets them excited about life and about the work that they're doing. And if, you, if you're blind to that, I think that that can be a way to kill motivation because you're, you're not really seeing the employee for who they are. And they feel that in that they feel that they're just a cog in the, you know, in the, in the great machine, right? And that's, that's never a good thing. So I think you have to be careful of that one. I think another one you have to be careful of is that there's a lot of organizations that like to create competitions amongst their employees, you, you know, pit one person against another, for example, for a job. And I think you know, those are all natural things and in hiring from within is important and having multiple people apply for a job is important. And there can be a natural competition that comes out of that. But you have to be very thoughtful about how you structure it so that when, you know, if you're only picking one person to take that job, there's going to be other people who are going to not feel good about not getting that mm -hmm. job. So you have to think about how if you do have situations where there's internal competition, you're creating win-win situations rather than win-lose situations. And I think that you have to make sure you have a culture that really values that. And that's, that's a, another thing to make sure you watch out for. A third one is, you know, hold, holding people back because they do their job well, right? It's like, you know, you have to be careful not to do that. Um, if somebody does something really well, you don't want to say, oh gosh, they do that job so well that I really don't want to promote right. them. Well, you know what? You need to make sure you you pay attention to making sure people are feeling promoted and valued. Um, a fourth one is, you know, don't just reward the squeaky wheels. You have to make sure that you're also keeping an eye out for people that aren't quite as vocal but are doing great work and that they should feel rewarded and, and you know, and succeed. And then the last one that I think about as a rule of thumb is don't assume that the employee doesn't understand the bigger picture. Mm -hmm. So you want to assume that they have the they have the interest, the capacity, the desire to understand how they fit into a much bigger vision of what you guys are doing at work every day. And if you, if you don't assume that, and, I, and I'm talking about at any level of the organization, right. right, from the entry level to the top level, if you avoid that assumption, then again, people are going to kind of feel like a cog rather than feeling like they're part of something important. So th those are kind of my five off-the-cuff rules that I that I think about when I think about making sure not to kill motivation. Well, you know, let's get into some of those, you know, factors a little bit and, and maybe a, a little detail, some of the things you touched on. You mentioned the competition aspect and that definitely in a lot of cases is seen as a motivator and you are being specific to, uh, you know, mention it. You're talking about a case where it's one person out of, you know, a group that's getting a promotion or some sort of benefit. Um, I mean, is there an effective way, though, to utilize competition then so that you're not maybe, uh, you know, pushing someone down or pushing them away in some way? 
Yeah, I'm not, I don't want to give the impression that I'm saying that competition is right. bad. Um, I'm, I'm not. And, and again, I'm generally, I'm, I'm not an extremist on these things. I'm pretty <laughs> middle of the road saying that like competition is natural and it's something that happens every day and it's okay to honor that. You just have to find a way to make sure that the, the success of one person isn't the loss of another that brings down that person in their job. So finding ways to promote, but also to to encourage and continue to encourage those that that maybe didn't win the competition of promotion or or something internally that was happening in organization is important. So in our case, for example, if we have, say, for example, we've promoted somebody to one position, there are multiple positions applying, I'm going to be thinking about what if, if I didn't give that person uh, the promotion and if they didn't get the promotion, how can I be realistic with them and straightforward with them about, one, why they didn't get the promotion, mm-hmm. Two, why we're interested in having them continue to develop those skills. And three, how I can actually then help them develop those skills so it gives them a pathway for future success. So it's not that we're saying that we want to acknowledge to some degree that somebody didn't get it and then and create a course of action where they feel confident that you are actually interested in their development over time so that there's another opportunity to promote them later or find other responsibilities you can give them so that you can grow their responsibility level as well. Uh, you also mentioned, and you sort of brought it up there too, this idea that uh, maybe somebody is really good at what they do and they're looking to get promoted or, or moved even laterally into a different department or different situation altogether. And there's this idea of a management impedance, as, as we sort of termed it. We had a show about this. And um, I guess maybe illustrate for people how this mentality can end up affecting the motivation of employees. I mean, obviously, that individual who seems or feels like they're getting blocked, I, I think everyone understands that side of it. But I mean, is there a is there a bigger issue that ends up you know sort of sprouting from that if you're if you're really getting in the way of people moving forward? And, and getting in the way because they're good at their job. Yeah, I mean, is that it could, yeah, right. It may be yeah, unintentional, yeah. even like <laughs> you just you keep thinking, oh, right. I, I need them with me or doing so well, and, and you're preventing them from going elsewhere and, and, and helping the company. Yeah, unfortunately, I learned this lesson early on in my in my job career when I was about 16. It was my first job. I was working at uh, Friendly's Ice Cream Shop in the, the King of Prussia <laughs> Mall, and I was hired as a dishwasher. And uh, my friend and I started about the same time. We were both hired as dishwashers. And, of course, like the coveted position was to get the window ice cream scooping position where you could, (laughs) you know, be social and and meet people and scoop ice cream. And we were in a competition for for that job. And I lost. And, you know, my my friend who was like, you know, six inches taller than I was (laughs) and had a deeper voice and was like, you know, much better looking than I was. He uh, he got the job at the at the you know this coveted position, and I went into my manager later, and I said, you know, hey, why am I? You know, I worked harder than he did. I, I busted my backside to make sure that I was doing double the amount of dishes that he was. I was busting tables faster. You know, why didn't I get rewarded with this position? And the manager looked at me and said, well, Chris, it's because you're the best little dishwasher we've <laughs> ever had. And I, I need to keep you in that position. And I think I quit shortly oh, really? after, you know. But it's like that's the classic example to me of like doing two things really badly, right? One is creating this competition in which somebody's mm-hmm. going to lose. And then second, it's it's making a management decision because somebody's actually competent rather than incompetent, right? It's like, you know, he held me back from something that I perceived as a, a coveted next sure. step for me that I would have been proud to hold and would have worked harder for him. But he found a way to kill that motivation by saying, I can't afford to lose you. And then what ended up happening? He lost me anyway. So I think you have to be really honest with yourself as a manager and say, we're going to do everything we can to continue to promote people. 
but again, you have to be realistic. At, at Fruit Guys, you know, we we work off this ethical code um, that I developed back in 1999 called the Five R's, and we ask everybody in the organization to ask themselves: you know, are we being respectful at all times to each other, to our customers, to our vendors, the world at large? Are we being responsive to needs? Are we being realistic with people about what we can or can't accomplish? Do we take personal responsibility for outcomes? And we walk away: are we going to be remembered positively? So those five things are sort of the under lying um, method that we use to think about how we handle these mm-hmm. employment issues so that when we do have these kinds of issues come up, we're thinking, hey, if somebody didn't get something, have we been realistic with them? Did we talk about the pros and cons and the things we need to do? But, but at the same time, are we being respectful and responsive to that person to think about how, those, how we're going to help them get to the next step? And are we taking personal responsibility to guide them to that next step? And then when we walk away, are we setting ourselves up for success where this person is going to remember? us positively, they're going to remember themselves positively, and then the world at large kind of looks at Fruit Guys and says, hey, this is an organization that takes employees, employee issues, employee development very seriously, and, and we're remembered as an organization well for that as well. So, and we're going to, you know, we're going to mess that stuff up sometimes, right? I mean, we're going to, you know, as we grow and we have more people and we train mm. more people on this technique, um, we're going to miss some things. But I think what we do very well is we're extremely self-critical and, and, and go back and analyze then where we messed up and how we can correct those things uh, in, our in our employee structures. And I like how you made that connection there. You have those five R's and that sort of, you also talked about everyone seeing the bigger picture and where they fit in. And I think that definitely uh, plays together when you're talking about motivation and, and even this sort of issue, as you mentioned, um, where you're deciding who's moving where, that sort of thing. You know, another aspect you, you talked about, and it was interesting to me, is this idea about, um, you know, sort of the self-promoting outspoken types tend to get more recognition maybe um, just because they're out there and, and they sort of... Uh, he said self-promote in a way. Is there a strategy for maybe the the quieter, you know, quote-unquote head-down employees that probably need similar motivation or, or recognition in some way, but they're not necessarily pounding the pavement or pounding their own chest? I mean, what do you do with uh, employees like that? Yeah, it's a good question. And um, when I was a younger manager in the business, you know, we've been doing this at Fruit Guys for 15 years. And mm-hmm. I, earlier on in the business, I think I was – more timid in a way it, with people that were great self-promoters, right? You know, mm. um, I would kind of give them what they wanted at all the time <laughs> and, and, and say, oh yeah, you did a great job because they're saying that they did a great job, right? Sure. And uh, as, as I got a little bit more mature and wise as a manager, and, and again, there's, it's, it's, a, it's a journey, right? There's no destination, so I will always keep learning. But as I got better at it, I think I realized that I have to really divorce myself from the personality type that I'm working with Mm -hmm. and think about what the actual factual um, outcomes are. So uh, what, what really is being demonstrated as results and what is then the, the way that the person is presenting those results and then understand those things so that as a manager, you can kind of come into it, you know, looking at it as objectively as possible. And it's a, it's a perspective shift for managers. I really think it's it's a learned technique over time that you have to really learn to kind of, you know, put a filter over everything so that you can kind of see clearly and level the playing field for yourself so that you can remove that self-promotion aspect of in, in others and you can then see people kind of on a level playing field and really judge their performance and their work. 
And that's that's hard, and it takes an extreme amount. I think it takes an extreme amount of self discipline on the manager's sure. side to to resist getting drawn into those kind of self promotion circles. Now you, you touched on this a, a little bit, obviously, and just I'm just wondering in terms of communication and, and being effective with that, um, especially with with all employees, really, are there any other things that you sort of focus on or, or you make sure you get out there? I mean, you mentioned the five R's. Uh, I didn't know if there are any other strategies sort of in general that you use to make sure everyone's on the same page. And, and I guess that, that bigger picture that you talked about where people don't just feel like, yeah, I'm just a, a piece here. You know, I don't, I don't really do much, but that they're involved in this sort of bigger idea. Yeah, for us, I mean, there's a couple levels to that. I mean, what five R's you know, I developed back in 1999 because I had a situation in which an employee came back from making some fruit deliveries. And before he got back to the warehouse, I got a call from a very angry customer that said, you know, hey, Chris, you know, your driver just made a delivery. And when he made the delivery, he flipped me off, gave me the finger and left. <laughs> and and I, you well, know, that's remember. That's that's memorable. <laughs> that's You'll memorable, be remembered. Right? Yeah, exactly. Not exactly positively, but it's. Oh, memorable. okay, right. right. And, um, but I got the the person got back to the warehouse, and I said to them, I said, you know, what what happened? And he said, you know, I got there, I was running behind, and my normal contact wasn't there, and I usually put the fruit on the table in the kitchen. And this woman comes in, and she yelled at me and said to bring it into another room. And so I just put the fruit down, and I I threw up my hands, and I left. And he, you know, he claimed he never never flipped her off, but. I said to him, I said, you know, why, if somebody's telling you, you know, you're in their office, you're in their space, and they're, they're asking you to do this, even if it's in, a, it's in a loud tone, wouldn't you do that? And, and he turned to me and said, you know, my dad taught me a long time ago that if somebody disrespects you, you need to disrespect them right back. Hmm. And I realized that not everybody shares an inherent view of customer service or even how I view the world uh, that it should be in terms of how you should treat people, right? I mean, I, I have a very sort of like, hey, we walk this earth together, you know, whether you're above me or below me in status, it shouldn't matter. I need to treat you like a, a human being like I would anybody else with with a level of respect. And I realized that not everybody has that view of the world. And sure. I needed to find a way to create guidelines for this idea of being in service to people in a way that I think many people don't have a way of connecting with these days. So we came up with the five R's as a sort of ethical guideline to almost manage to the gray area rather than manage to the specific situation. Um, I'm sure you've run into this all the time, but you'll find employees that say, well, hey, you didn't tell me exactly to do that, and therefore I didn't do it because it wasn't communicated that that was my job. Mm -hmm. And that frustrates me to no end because what it says is that somebody's unwilling to think about responsibility as a, at a macro level, not just at a micro level. And so 5Rs is really geared toward trying to come up with this idea of being in service and how we can define what good service is for those gray areas that are in between the nodes of specificity that are, are determined by your job. So there's always going to be confusion. There's always going to be somebody who feels there's always going to be some scenario that's presented that doesn't exactly match the job description or the description of the work to be done. But what you want is people who are going to be thoughtful and conscious enough to make a good decision at the time when that happens. So for us, the idea of five R's was a way to kind of allow them to think about, am I going through all the steps? And then in review of that situation, when I'm working with my manager, 
you know, it's easy to identify where that breakdown may have been. Oh, I didn't clarify well enough because I wasn't realistic with this person and telling them that I might be late. And had I had that conversation, the definition of the, a positive outcome would have been easier to under, you know, uncover or, oh, you know, that, that customer was really being, uh, angry with me. And instead of, uh, responding to them, I, I reacted to them. So the, defining the difference between reacting, which is very emotional and responding, which requires thought first and investigation and understanding of what that customer is really trying to get to from a root cause standpoint, those things are very important to us. And again, all of these things, they, they relate back up to this very large philosophical kind of concept that we have at Fruit Guys, which is how are we in service to people? How are mm-hmm. we in service to our customers, our peers, our employees, our vendors, and then the world at large? And what are we doing to give back every day through our actions? And that's that's really what 5R stems from. And that's actually a nice segue as we're getting a little low on time, but I want to touch on this aspect of it that, uh, you know, your organization, you provide fruit to food pantries and you're involved in different charity type work, you know, involving involving your customers as well from what I've seen. I guess talk a little bit about those programs and uh, maybe what role that could play in motivation and not just at your organization, but in any company where um, you talk about this idea of, of service and, um, you know, if, if you're giving back in some way, how that actually will help in production within your own organization. Because I, I, To me, I see a correlation. I'm not sure if that's how you drew it up or I guess just what's your take on all that? Now it's it, there's definitely a correlation, and I mean it's it's kind of who we are, right? So I mean, giving back is very important to us, and and it and it, then it's a becomes a self fulfilling loop. I mean, um, mm-hmm. I think the kinds of people that want to work for Fruit Guys are the kinds of people that we want to work for us because they're interested in community support and and helping people, especially those that are in need. Um, and so I think that we've got an amazing group of people that work at Fruit Guys that you know, are interested and they get value out of feeling like, hey, you know, my work today, you know, went to feeding people that were, you know, not only were paying for the service and are going to be healthier because of it. And that would, that's a great result in its own right. But because of our customers and the great work that they do with us and, and in being our customers and because of the way we manage our business, we're able to um, give back in a way that I think makes everybody feel very good and, and valuable about their work every day. Well, with that, we'll have to wrap up this episode of Nobody's Perfect. Hopefully, we've been able to keep you away from those motivation-killing strategies or actions in the workplace. Our guest has been Chris Middlestadt, the founder and CEO of The Fruit Guys, based in California. Uh, Chris, where can people find out more about your company? I can email us at info at fruitguys.com or always call us at 877-FRUIT-ME. So that's the easiest way. <laughs> All right. Sounds good. Of course, uh, you know, you can find them online at the Fruit Guys as well. Um, just fruitguys.com or I'm sure any internet search will find them. Uh, so Chris, again, thanks a lot for coming on today. Tim, thanks for having me. Take care. And of course, a thank you to all the listeners as well. Uh, please email us at ljnradio at localjobnetwork.com if you have any comments or suggestions, really for any of our shows on localjobnetwork.com radio. I'm your host, Tim Yuma. Remember, nobody's perfect. So please watch your step. Watch your step.